Chapter Sixteen of Carpenter's Geographical Reader Asia by Frank Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. The Government and the Schools. Until within a few years, the Chinese nation has been like one vast family, of which the emperor was the head and therefore the absolute ruler. The people have been slow to take up our civilization, which, as we have seen, has so greatly changed Japan and it is only within a short time that they have realized that our methods of government must be the best. Indeed, it was not until China was conquered by little Japan that she knew how backward she was and how unable to take the part she should hold in the world. She then saw that she must have a different government and different ways of education, commerce, and industry. For this reason, the people overthrew the old empire and established a republic in its stead with the president and congress elected by the people the nation is rapidly changing and it is growing more and more like the rest of the civilized world in its customs it was in nineteen twelve that the emperor was forced from the throne as the result of a great revolution the new chinese president and the new chinese congress did not agree well before long the president dissolved the congress and governed almost as he pleased he even went out to the temples of agriculture and heaven to sacrifice and pray and plough as the emperor had done then in nineteen fifteen many people asked that the country should again be an empire but so many other chinese fought against this change that it was decided to continue the government as a republic we can now see the grand palaces of the emperor in peking there in the tartar city inside a walled enclosure known as the pink forbidden city this consists of a wilderness of high structures whose roofs of yellow tiles shine like gold under the sun the buildings run up and down both sides of a lake and they look out upon broad lawns and beautiful parks in which grow great forest trees many of the palaces of the emperor are now used as the official buildings of the new government some have been remodeled and in other places new buildings are going up in the past it was impossible for travelers to enter this part of peking but we can now go where we please and we shall visit the offices we find in them the men who are ruling china and learn about the great changes which are now taking place the president of the republic has a cabinet he has his departments of state treasury war justice and agriculture as well as those of public works education commerce and colonies some of the chief officials have been educated abroad and many in the united states our nation has always been friendly to china and the government is now sending many chinese boys to our american colleges we find friends in all the chief public buildings and are made quite at home in addition to the officials here at peking there are thousands scattered all over the country china proper has twenty-two provinces each of which has its own governor with hundreds of officials to help him each province is divided into districts and the districts into sub-districts and villages each village has its own officers and every family in it is responsible for its good conduct if a boy commits a crime his father his elder brothers and even his teachers are punished as well as himself for the Chinese say that if they had taught him properly, he would not have broken the laws. By the new constitution, 
Every province now has its legislature or provincial assembly, much as in the states of our Union. The cities elect their own mayors, and many of them have night schools, where grown men are now studying how a people should govern itself. In the past, the courts of China were corrupt. The jails and prisons were vile places, and the punishments were the most terrible that could be imagined. These matters are being reformed. New courts have been created, new prisons are building, and in time justice will be administered as fairly as in our own country. At present, some of the milder of the old punishments are still in use, and as we go through the streets, we may see petty thieves and vagrants wearing kongs. The kong is a framework of boards about as big as the top of a square kitchen table. This has a hole in the center and is so made that it can be opened and fitted tightly around the neck so that it rests on the shoulders. It usually weighs about 25 pounds and is sometimes loaded with iron to make it weigh more. Now if one will imagine his neck fastened through a hole in a kitchen table top which he is condemned to carry about with him, he can see how he would be punished if he were caught stealing in China. He would find it more uncomfortable than he could imagine. The boards would extend so far out that he could not reach his mouth with his hands and would have to ask others to feed him. He could not lie down, and if a fly or bee happened to light on his nose, he could dislodge it only by shaking his head. Upon the top of the kong, on each side of the hole, are pasted strips of paper describing the crime of the wearer, so that everyone can read them as the man goes through the streets. During our stay in Peking, we meet many officials and scholars and observe that the Chinese have in some respects a high degree of civilization. They are philosophers and are always talking about morality, virtue, and justice. They like to discuss things with us, and we often find that they have the best of the argument. They consider scholarship better than riches. Everyone is anxious that his children should have an education, and the boy who graduates well or passes a high examination is pretty sure to be employed by the government. It is therefore the aim of every schoolboy to learn his lessons so well that he may become an official. We find all sorts of schools in Peking and shall meet with others everywhere throughout the country. Within recent years, the old system of education, which was made up almost together of writing essays and committing to memory the Chinese classics, has been abolished, and the studies are now much the same as our own. Chinese boys and girls learn arithmetic, geography, and history, and as they grow older, they study the sciences. There are many manual training schools, technical schools, and high schools and colleges. China has schools of law and medicine and of agriculture, engineering, and commerce. There are also large universities, including one here in Peking. In these new schools, the child starts in with the kindergarten at the age of three or four years. It takes him about nine years to finish the lower grades and five more to go through the intermediate schools. He is now ready for college, and after that he may enter the university, where he remains from three to eight years, according to the course he has chosen. In the public schools of the cities, the children have desks and study and recite much as we do. They wear uniforms and have a military drill similar to that of Japan. They have their games during recess and can play ball and wrestle as well as ourselves. They learn easily and most of them are anxious to study. 
when a boy starts to school for the first time he carries a red visiting card bearing his name and also a present for the teacher he bows to the teacher when he enters or leaves the room and as a rule is polite there are still old-fashioned schools in the villages where the pupils sit on the floor or on benches before little tables in such schools they study out loud shouting at the tops of their voices the words of the chinese classics they are trying to learn if a boy stops shouting the teacher concludes he has stopped studying and gives him a caning in the older schools they do most of their sums by means of a counting box like the japanese soroban this as we saw was a framework of wooden buttons strung upon wires every boy of ten or more knows how to use it and he can do sums upon it more quickly than we can figure them out with paper and pen until recently the chinese have not thought that women needed much education and but few girls went to school girls schools are now being established and in them the girls are taught the same as the boys they learn also music and drawing as well as nursing needlework and housekeeping in these schools the girls are required to unbind their feet they are not allowed to paint powder or to wear jewelry or expensive gowns they must have on the school uniform and do up their hair in a braid or plain coil their only ornaments being the rosettes which indicate the school to which they belong the new schools are performing a great work among the chinese and this is true not only in the way of ordinary education but also for the army in most of them the boys are taught to be soldiers they have their own guns and go through regular military exercises under officers who have been trained in japan america or europe moreover there are also government military schools so that china will soon have a great modern army its people are so many that it could put more soldiers into the field than almost any other nation on earth and some think that the chinese might conquer the world if they would in the past they have been often imposed upon by smaller nations and were badly defeated by little japan they are not cowards however and it may be different when they have learned our ways of fighting and of modern guns and war machines of their own End of chapter sixteen